good morning, New Cov. So good to see you. I'm so glad that you made the effort to be here. And to those of you online, thank you for uh, making the effort to be here as well. Well, we're working our way through the book of Mark in two different ways, all in preparation for Easter, that we would be able to celebrate Easter like no other Easter before. And we're doing this in two ways. We're asking you to keep reading through Mark 1 through 8 over and over and over again, looking at, at what, who, Jesus, who Jesus is. And as you read, read not to get through the book, but for the book truths to get into you. And so we're reading through the book of Mark, 1 through 8 during the week. And then on weekends, uh, we're talking on uh, passages uh, following Mark 8 on all why Jesus came. Uh, so I want to pick up where, we, where Brett left off last week. And uh, what a great service to have communion. It's always one of my favorite services. And we recognize that why we take communion is because Jesus died for us. And he not just died for us, he was raised from the grave. And then the best part, or part of it, is he's coming soon for those of us who put our hope and trust in him. So Mark 14 is where we're going to be today. Mark 14, page 1020. I'll give you a moment to find it in the Bible in the seat pockets in front of you. Or if you have a friend who needs a Bible, feel free to take one of the Bibles uh, in the seat pockets and take it to them as well. As we look at Mark 14, verses 32 to 42, I want to ask a question that we will come back to in a minute, but it's important that we, we land on it. So here's the question. Presently, What is not working in your life that is consuming your thinking? What is driving you absolutely crazy? Where are you out of control? What have you lost control over? And I'm not talking about your NCAA bracket that was destroyed yesterday when North Carolina was lucky enough to beat Baylor. I just lost half the crowd. (laughs) There's more important things than NCAA. However, I did watch it yesterday. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. But that is not what I would put is what is not working in my life presently that consumes my thinking when I go to bed, when I wake up. That kind of issue. Now that you have it in mind, just put it in in your hand, close your hand around it. And we'll come back to it in a minute. Mark 14, 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. I want you to look at verse 33 in particular. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. We'll talk about the word distressed and troubled in a moment. But notice when Jesus is facing the most horrible event of his life, what does he look for? He looks for companionship. I heard it put this way. Life's journey isn't a matter of the terrain. It's a matter of the company. I think the tendency for us is to withdraw when times get difficult. And we need community. And that's why you hear us always talking about reaching out to those that 
you would like to hang out with and to ask them to hold you accountable for small groups. It's always important because life's journey isn't just a matter of the train. It does include that, but it's a matter of the company that takes you where you need to go. So up to this point, he asked Peter, James, and John to join him as he is facing some, the most difficult time of his life. In fact, it says he was deeply distressed and troubled. The word deeply distressed means astonished, to be alarmed, to be struck with terror, thoroughly terrified, to be struck with amazement. So this is not just, hey, I'm just not looking forward to what's going to happen. He is deeply distressed, astonished, alarmed, to be struck with terror. And he's also troubled, and the Greek word for troubled means to be overcome with horror. Verse 35. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is pretty amazing. This verse 36, he cries out, Abba, Father. The word means Papa, it means Daddy. And I think the intimacy that we find here as Jesus is about to enter the most difficult times, being deeply distressed and troubled, he has an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, again, why we communicate over and over again to spend daily time alone with God in his word and to say, what does God's word say? And what does, it mean? what does it mean to me? How does this apply and align our life to the truth of scripture? That's where intimacy is, is developed, is through your personal time with Jesus Christ. Is, and, and we've always heard that saying, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And that is so true. He, he'll, he'll not tempt you to do big, horrible things. He's just, just to hide your plane over your walk with God. But Jesus reveals the kind of relationship he had with God the Father, calling him Daddy, Papa. But here's what his struggle can be understood in light of what's going to happen to him on the cross. Here's what's going to happen to him on the cross. He would be made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to become sin, to carry sin, so that in him... We might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus knows being perfect, he's going to take on, he's going to become our great substitute and take on that which separates us from God. Secondly, he would bear the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So... Jesus not only was made, would be made sin for us, he bears the result, the, the wage of sin, is separation from God. He becomes a curse for us. He says, I will take it upon myself. Not to be undone, the last thing that he faced is the contemplation that he would be forsaken by his father. In Mark 15, 
verses 33 to 34, it says, At the sixth hour, he's on the cross, at the sixth hour came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Totally alone. I think all of us need to be in relationship. And one of the worst things ever is to feel alone. But in this case, his most intimate relationship with God the Father, God has to turn his back on it because God's a holy God. And the price was paid for you and for me. And Jesus, being fully human and fully God, he says, if there's any way I can avoid those things, that's what I want. Nevertheless, not what I want, but your will be done. Let's talk about suffering. Suffering happens when there's a gap between the desires of your heart and the circumstances of your life. And the bigger the gap, the greater the suffering. So what do you do when the gap begins to widen? I tell you what I do, I try to get off the path. I plead with God. I ask God to change the circumstances. And I say this with great respect for knowing that there are so many people in our church, just our church alone, that have all kinds of issues, much worse than whatever most of us face. But I say this, God isn't so much working to transform our circumstances as he's working through hard circumstances to transform you and me. Most of us want quick solutions, right? We want, here's what I, I want quick solutions with minor consequences. That's the perfect day for me. But the cross is a powerful interruption to our easy way out of thinking. When we look at what Jesus did for us, he goes the full extent. He doesn't take the easy way out. And he's honestly asking desperately, asking God to change his circumstances. But verse 36, he comes back and says, Yet not what I will, but what you will. Take a look closely at this. He's actually not taking his circumstances into his own hands. In the end, he's obeying. He's relinquishing control over his circumstances and submitting his desires to God the Father. In the end, relinquishing control, he takes, opens his hands and says, I would like for this to be removed, yet not I, my will, but your will be done. Again, our, we want grace, all of us want grace. Most of us want gra- the grace of relief, the grace of release. But many times what we need is the grace of transformation. That's hard grace. So I want to give an example of where our family was in this turmoil of net. Here's the situation, but not your will, not my will, but your will be done, and the struggle that goes. 
And I realize not everybody has the same ending that we have. I totally re- reveal that, re- 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 know that. Good grief. I'm trying to be sensitive here, folks. <laughs> so a year ago Easter, uh, our son Kevin was facing near death with COVID. It attacked his lungs and they could do nothing about it. Um, and that was such a hard time. 39 years old. And we couldn't see him. We could stand out on the street with signs. 39. Praying, oh God, save his life, save his life, save his life. And we had to come to a place where we embraced hard grace and just said, God, you're big enough. big enough to handle whatever may come here's our will but your will be done there's a great ending and I want you to see the picture of Kevin's first time with his family of four boys and one daughter was missing that's when he got home Trust. It's hard grace. But coming to a place where you say, not my will, but I trust you because power is found in the object of your faith. And that we had to determine who's, what or who's going to be the object of our faith. Now, some of you who don't know me well, think I have an inside connection with God that you don't have. Those of you that know me well know I'm very human, just like the rest of you. And so my, our answer to prayer was not because I happen to be a pastor and have a greater connection than anybody else. It was just how God played it out, and I'm grateful for that. But not everything plays out in our lives that way. I want you to know that. For at this very same week that Kev was struggling to, to live, uh, I was introduced to my unwanted new companion, Fred, the Parkinson's man. And thinking, I, and I want you to know, every day I say, oh God, get rid of Fred. Fred's a bother. But this is, again, every day I I pray that, but come back to say, Oh, Lord, I don't know what the future is, but your will be done. One of the positives, and I'm still looking for positives, one of the positives is it's given me an opportunity to interact with other people who have been diagnosed with diseases that there's not a curable answer for. And God's been leveraging that in a good way. 90% of the time, I'm, your will be done. 10% of the time, I'm pounding my fist, saying, my will be done, and now. 
it's this issue of gap. That the larger the gap, the greater the suffering. God will use, and I say this again with great respect for those of you that are much further down the road than I. God will use the brokenness of the world that is your present address to complete the loving work of personal transformation that he has begun. Now that's grace. Hard grace. But he uses the brokenness of the world, our present address, to complete what he wants to do within us. Not my will, but your will be done. So what does that look like for those who have a huge gap? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Here's Paul, one of Paul's major gaps. He had this thorn in the flesh. He pleaded with God three different times with all he could for God to remove it. And each time, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. How about this? Psalm 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. See, this is why Jesus dreaded the cross is going through death and being separated and all alone. But you and I, he did, he did that for us so that even when we walk through, not get stuck, even when we walk through the gap, the valley of the shadow of death, the gap, the larger the gap, he said, I'll be with you. The presence of the one who created the universe, the one who can transform whatever he's begun in your life. In other words, Jesus is not taking his circumstances into his own hands. He's relinquishing control over his circumstances and submitting his desires to the will of the Father. Because if Jesus aborted the plan, he would leave us to perish. But he didn't. Can you see why Easter is going to be such an amazing service for us? Because all this whole time through the 40 days, we in particular give a little extra time to look at what Jesus did for us and why he did this for us and who he is. So that when we come Easter morning, we can say, but as for me, here's who I say you are. You are my Messiah and I praise you and I thank you, Jesus knows that his immediate desire to be spared must bow before his ultimate value to spare us. I heard this this week and it stopped me right in my tracks. The gospel of escaping your circumstances is never the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could have done real well with not hearing that this week. Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That doesn't mean he enjoyed the cross. Who the joy set before him. What's that? That he would spare us. That's how much he loves you. So what do I wish for you today? 
I'm not landing the plane yet. I'm just circling the runway. Here's what I wish for you. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. You ought to jot this down. I pray, and this is what I'm praying for New Cove, that we would be rooted and established in love, that we may have the power together with all the saints, with all those who put their hope in Jesus, that you would grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is this love that surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of allness, fullness of God, that you would grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is that love, and to know that he wants to fill us with that. That's our prayer, because that's life-changing of what Jesus did for us. That's why we read the Bible and align our lives to what Jesus says. Okay, back to Jesus and his Peter, James, and John. They fall asleep. And he, then he returned to his disciples, verse 37. He found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? And here's what he says. Watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Because the spirit sure is willing, but the body is also weak. Watch and pray. In other words, be alert as you pray. Be alert. Keep your spiritual eyes open because the enemy wants you to get your eyes off of Jesus. Okay, jot this one verse down as well, Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus. May the God who gives endurance, I don't know how wide your gap is, but all of us need endurance. And it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement Give you a spirit of unity because we're all in this together as we follow Jesus. Your hope is not to be found in your ability alone. This title gets at the very center. Your hope is not in your willingness to endure, but it's in God's unshakable, enduring commitment to never turn from his work of grace in your life. Okay, two questions. Two questions that I want you to consider. What if the unpleasant adjustments to daily life, the gap, what if the unpleasant adjustments to daily life become a portal of breakthrough in our lives? Your pain and problems can become a portal. You can thank me for that question. We, want to, we don't want a hydroplane over the gap. God's with us. Pain and problems can become a portal. So what, what if that gap, God wants to use it as a portal of his grace? Second question, if 
we didn't have to change anything else in our life except the focus of a hardship. Instead of focusing on the lack, what if we give the lack to God and trust him to provide? Give God the lack. Not my will, but your will. God, I give, give you the lack. It, it's all about the focus that we, instead of focusing on the gap, we focus on God. When we started, I had you think about what has a grasp on you, what is closed around you that you feel like you have no control over. So I'm going to share a prayer that I want all of us to pray together. God knows your heart. But what I'd ask you to do, whatever has a grip on you, that all of you just open your hands, lay them in your lap, and receive this prayer. Let me read through it so that it can be read together with meaning in a moment. Lord, I open my life to you. Let me stop right there. Lord, I open my life to you. Some of you have been attending New Cove for some time or online for some time, and you, you've never said, Jesus, I open my life to you. Well, today, this would be the perfect day to do that. Say, oh, God. I'm in such need of you, and I open my heart to you. I don't understand it all, but I open my heart to you. And if you do that, please let us know. We would love to come alongside you and give you some input on how you can grow as a follower of Christ. Uh, you can do that, those of you here in New Cub, uh, campus, on the prayer card just say, I open my life to Christ. Those of you online, you can easily tag, uh, click on the uh, box above to, refer, to respond and let us know. Lord, open my life to you now for all of us. You know the unpleasant issues that I'm facing. In every way that my life is different, I choose to take that discomfort, that aspect of my life that I wish would change, and I offer it to you, Lord, as an offering. And I would like for all of us to pray that aloud together and with hands open and receive what God wants to give all of us. Let's pray this together. Lord, I open my life to you. You know the unpleasant issues that I am facing. In every way that my life is different, I choose to take that discomfort, that aspect of my life that I wish would change and offer it to you, Lord, as an offering. Father, may the work begin and may you finish the work that's within us that you've already started. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, let me challenge you to get back into the book of Mark. We're not even quite halfway through 40 days. It's never too late to begin reading God's word. Book of Mark, there's... Uh, but if you're doing the Bible reading plan, the Gospel of Mark, it's taken it very slowly through, but it's been good. And let me challenge you this week. Every time you think, I miss the way it used to be, and I have to be careful not to say that. I miss the way it used to be. Give that 
thought to God and trust Him to sustain? Because instead of focusing on the lack, what if we give the lack to God and we trust Him to provide? Get it? Good.